Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Trapping Today podcast, brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Thanks Kyle and Kellen for supporting the podcast, and uh, it's great to have them as sponsors. As you can hear, my voice is completely shot, so let's get into the interview. I won't belabor you listening to my voice any longer. And we'll listen to me talking with John Chagnon. We've got John Chagnon from PCS Outdoors and Lennon Lures in northern Michigan. Is that right, John? Yep. We're northern Michigan as we're below the bridge on the northern part. Uh, we work up in Ascota and we live in Gray. But true northern Michigan is where I spent a big chunk of my life, and that's where I met Mr. Lennon up in uh, the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. The UP, okay. So what you, yeah. where you're at, we would call that the northern lower? Northern lower, correct. Okay, and you, and you spent some time in the UP. So I, I, it's great to have you here, John. I really appreciate it. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners will really uh, appreciate hearing hearing your perspective. And, and I think a, a great thing would be if we can – get an idea of your background, how you got started trapping and how, how you got to where you're, you're really passionate about trapping. Um, my, uh, father, my grandfather, um, trapped and they hunted and they fished. They didn't trap to the extent that I have in my lifetime, but they were the ones that, uh, exposed me to other trappers that were avid trappers, um, my father was a raccoon hunter, so you get the crossover. You're going to the uh, fur buyer, and you meet other people there. Basically, we lived on a little creek in uh, the Thumb of Michigan, and my father, one day when I was seven years old, gave me a muskrat trap, and uh, I remember checking it two times a night because uh, <laughs> those sets were in apple on a stick and i had to get there because i didn't know what a drowner set was and remember the heart pumping when you see those waves when an animal hasn't properly dispatched down a drowner wire and after battling a couple muskrats i figured how to make a drowner set yeah yeah but basically that trap led to at the time uh you know you could buy several traps by selling a muskrat you know um maybe not today you might have to get a muskrat to buy a trap so, so this would have been back in the 70s Back in the seventies, yeah. Yeah. So, so you you kind of, it's funny. A lot of people talk about that one trap is where they got their start, and then uh, yeah, and it's all there. you just get the bug, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. how long were you in the Upper Peninsula? Oh, I went up there in the. Uh, oh, it would have been early nineties, and then I left uh, in two thousand five. So, approximately fifteen years. And have you have you trapped every year since you you got started that as a kid? Uh, yes. In fact, this was one of the years when I was trying not to, and it just took somebody to come into PCS Outdoors and say there was a beaver problem back in December, <laughs> and so much for not going trapping. And the beaver pond led to putting some canine sets, and you know where that led to. You so. can't get away from it, huh? Nope, nope, and I was having a blast getting up uh, way early and checking them before going to work. Yeah, yeah, I remember last year we were emailing back and forth, and you were you were running a coyote line before work. That that correct, had, correct. had to be. Yeah. This year I'm more limited than most years because we're busy at uh, Lennon Lures and PCS Outdoors. Want to take care of customers. Trying to, as I told you earlier, when we first got on the phone, um, my daughter's going to become a CPA and I guess to encourage her and just, I never did. And I have all the credentials, so, um, I'm kind of studying. So hopefully as I get older, that extra knowledge will help me. Oh, I'd, I'd love to have that knowledge it's coming around tax time and it's the worst time of year for me. <laughs> Definitely. And we ain't going to do anybody any good if we don't keep our businesses legal and moral. You can have the best products in the world, but if you don't take care of the government, you're not going to stay in business. Yeah. So, so you probably have the most interesting story uh, from a trapping supply business and how that all came about. Uh, can you give us a little background on that? Oh, it, well, I guess the uh, I was up in the UP when I uh, launched my first. I was still working full time, and I had a part time um, uh, trap company, and it it was mail order before the internet, and I was selling line and lures and uh bmi traps at the time um wimpy was a guy that retired and 
he uh, got a hold of me, and then I became a dealer that way. And um, so I did it part time through mail order, and then I was uh, I grad I was uh, an accountant my whole life, so. I was working in a veneer mill, sawmill that had 400 employees as an assistant controller, and uh, I managed to learn how to make a website in the early 90s and for the timber company, and uh, subsequently, I was still, you know, Northwest, Minnesota Trap Line, those companies were in existence, and, you know, those were guys I did business with then and today, but at that time, nobody was on the web where you could buy trapping supplies you know cabela's wasn't on yet google didn't exist i still remember the first day after i had website for years my customers calling up all excited how they found me on google you know what i mean (laughs) today it's just taken second nature but uh so i was working and um just basically decided one day i was going to create a website with trapping supplies and some point back in the 90s, if you grab for fishing game or uh, Trapper and Predator Caller, where you see our two-page ads for PCS Outdoors and one-page ads for Len and Lures now, well, back in that time frame, basically there was nobody with a web address in all the trapping magazines, and my advertising budget was 20 bucks a month, <laughs> and basically I was probably busier then than I am today. And all I had to do was put a little classified that said Shagman's the first online trapping store. Nice. And proof is in all those old fur fish game magazines. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's important to be a, a little bit of a pioneer and do something no one else wants to do. Yeah, and then to this day, even though I work in an aerospace company, um, I really enjoy my job because I do the books there and the programming for the factory floor uh just enjoy that aspect of the job but at the same token it's really cool because pcs outdoors is connected in that building and different buildings on an old air force base that has been turned over to civilian purposes such as what we're doing aircraft parts and trapping supply manufacturing sales and so i could be talking to uh, somebody from Delta Airlines on one fo- phone call, and on a different phone call, I could be talking <laughs> to a trapper in Maine. You know, so. <laughs> that's that's just amazing. So, uh, a, uh, air airplane component parts and a trapping supply company, all under kind of a one one, one parent company. It, yes, one parent company. So, how on you earth th- did you convince PCS Phoenix Composite Solutions to get into the trapping well, supply? Well, do you remember business? back the when GM went bankrupt, yes. what was it, 2009? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, when that happened, uh, folks in Michigan, including we had at that point almost 200 employees approximately, and uh, we had to lay off a bunch of people. And being in accounting, and at that time, we didn't even have a full time HR manager. So I didn't like that fact, of, nor did the. the president of the company, Mr. Scanlon, we didn't like the fact of having to all those families that didn't have jobs. So yeah. we have a weekly meeting and we we did back then and we still do where all the division managers get together and we say what's going on and we have annual meetings. Well, so when that big layoff occurred and the economy was doing terrible, the president of the company asked uh, all the different division managers, which we have five different division managers, if anybody has an idea, come see me um, what we can do. And I basically uh, knocked on his door 15 minutes later and <laughs> told him that we needed to create a trapping supply company and we wouldn't be laying off people again because they would be making cable trap stakes and traps and nice. all the stuff, drags and all the stuff that we do now. So if there is people that uh, aren't busy in aerospace, then we have plenty of stuff to put them um, to work in the trapping industry. That is really neat. So, so did, did you, had, so now you had, we have one of the lowest unemployment rates as a company because we just don't lay off people. Even in the trapping industry, all the folks that work for me, we have approximately 10 that work in our trapping division. And even when the slow season comes, we've done a great job of, retaining people because when a lot of the other companies will hire seasonal employees we don't let them go at the end of the year we manufacture parts and train them and 
So each year is more enjoyable when we get to the busy season because we have the stocks to get to the customers and the personnel that know the products and have a mixture of actual trappers aboard. So, so you're in this meeting with the division managers, and and they're asking the 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 boss is asking about ideas. Um, had you been thinking about this for a while, or did this just pop into your head? Like I was having serious withdrawals when I made a decision, and now my daughter's through uh, college, and it's been very successful. As I said, I'm studying for the CPA exam because she's out-educated me now, and I just got to stay <laughs> up with the kid, which I'm pretty proud of her. But anyways, um, I guess it's something that gets in the blood, just like trapping. Uh, so... When I decided that I was going to go to work in the aerospace company, I kind of ceased operations for that little time period. And I guess I just always enjoyed, you know, talking to trappers and dealing in that industry. And I always kept good relations with all the suppliers. And it was quite easy to get started back up. And, you know, many years later now, I uh, just it was one of the best choices I ever did in my life. Yeah, so so I'm doing what I enjoy, you know. Absolutely, and you get to mix it up a little bit, like you said. You get to yeah, and doing just one thing to me is boring, and I like to keep busy and do things I like to do, and this allows me to do it. Yeah, so now PCS kind of seems to be everywhere. You're in the magazines, and you're 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 on Trapping Today. You're all over the place on the web. Um, it, was it a challenge to get there, or did you were you able to do it because you know, you had capital from the air aerospace company or, you know, how well, actually we probably got 10,000 to start with. And I believe ever since we just, uh, run as a, you know, divisional statement show that we hold our own, you know, we basically do a thing where, uh, we require so many sales per employee, no matter what division you're in. And, uh, I don't ever ask for additional employees unless my sales per month justify, that extra personnel, and that's my motivation to generate sales and profits because uh, I want, you know, more, better employees, and the only way to get that is and sustain it is to have sales and profits, and therefore you have to create products that are better than what's on the market or as good as anything else on the market and provide service, and that's just something that our team has pulled off because at this point it's way beyond me. It's all the folks that have stuck with me all through the years. You know, my assistant controller, he's been with me now over 10 years. Uh, my main supervisor on the PCS Outdoors division, she's been approaching 10 years now under me. And um, so we have uh, low turnover and good retention. This year we hired uh, uh, one of, I think, only 20 people that have a certain certification in the state of Michigan for Adobe Photoshop and things that will allow us to do a much better presentation because we can build the best products in the world, but if you can't take good images and videos to show those to the people, so you'll start seeing a lot better uh, photos and um, stuff like that coming off of PCS Outdoors and related sites. Yep. So basically started small and just kind of worked your way up a little bit at a time. Oh, definitely baby steps because you got to occasionally take back steps. I remember... I had about a year just in between where I we trained a person how to do things on e-com and uh, the web, and he got a really good job with the state of Michigan using those same skills. But, you know, you had to slow down then until you got another person. So yeah. I just had to hold the fort, you know, on some other things I wanted to do until I could find the proper, you know, replacement. Yeah. How, it must have been interesting with uh, training employees who maybe didn't have a real background in trapping, didn't know a lot about trapping. This uh, is northern Michigan. This is what you do. Okay, okay, good. We draw them in. They, they, people will jump from uh, uh, other jobs to an interesting job in trapping where they know they can also do some manufacturing and have job security. So I think I think all the trappers, I have a couple really avid trappers that I try to look out for what employees want to do. I want to retain them within our organization and I've had people that I've given over to maintenance um, and uh, our repair division just because they could do better uh, for the work. The aer aerospace parts are obviously a higher margin than yeah. a bottle of lure, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
but they didn't mind. So generally, they didn't mind smelling the skunk, uh, skunky lures, and and no. A funny story was uh, so. I think everybody appreciated it when we started out in the early years. And uh, this meeting, I tell you, we went to, and, you know, we had a couple, I called them uh, disasters, because we would <laughs> drop some skunk musk. And, you know, with this building connected and always over 100 employees at one time. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, those odors would go through the building. Well, one spring after the busy season, I went and talked to the president, and I uh, acquired a building that we could move the lures from the one building out where everybody was so they were segregated so now we have what we call the lure building and that has all the urines and lures and um i remember announcing that in a tuesday meeting and generally i'm a pretty boring kind of guy so i don't get much applause but when i announced that by monday morning we would have all i announced it on a friday before we were going to move all the lures that we were moving everything out boy i was a i was a favorite employee of the company for about a guy. week but you really got to hand it to all the people that after those hard times in the economy and they appreciated the the contribution that came from PCS Outdoors, even though small compared to the aerospace, but yeah. helped with stability. Yeah, absolutely. That's really neat. Um, it, and, and it just shows that, you know, people are faced with, with tough times like that. They can really, um, uh, they, they can pull through and, and willing to work. You know, a lot of people, you know, I'm an avid fan. I have, sorry to, cut you off no you try get fired up and really like talking on these topics and in michigan they le- are is is marijuana legal in um other than for medical reasons in uh maine yeah just just got passed in the last election for recreational purposes yeah as far as i know yes, yes. same thing has happened here in michigan and i i truly think i've worked in uh, timber industry and some other industries in my career before PCS Outdoors. And the quality of the workforce, I feel, is just so much better when you have, we're, we're, uh, uh, a federal, you know, we're controlled by the feds for the aerospace parts. Obviously, you don't want people that are, uh, intoxicated working on parts that go into airplanes. Right. And so there's mandatory drug programs and, um, you just can't, uh, have that and there's uh random drug testing well um and i know other industries also have that but i'm I'm just a firm believer that the quality of the workforce is so much better and uh now i see in northern michigan everywhere we go just dispensaries being opened up and billboards and just kind of scary to me but yeah it's definitely definitely different the majority want it so um that's (laughs) why we have government uh, that's I guess right. we still can express our opinions, though. That's absolutely right, especially on podcasts. There's no uh, FEC um, control, FCC controlling this. Um, gotcha. So the podcast is simply something that somebody can click on your website and then see our discussion. Yeah, like, uh, and you can get it on iTunes. Um, if, okay. If you have iTunes, you can just pull that up and you can get, I think this will be like episode 60-something. So all oh, okay. the previous episodes, you can just click on and listen to them. Um, any, That's pretty cool. Anytime. I have to check it out after it gets done. And I find that right off of uh, uh, your website. Hey? Yep. Yeah. You can. You if you any anything on your like if you have an Apple phone, like an iPhone, you can get it on iTunes really easy. Like I have a, a Samsung phone, Android, and I have a special app that I pull up and I listen to. About, oh, okay. With my about, phone, my phone's a Samsung. Yeah. So I have about thirty different podcasts that i listen to regularly uh, from okay. a wide variety of different topics and there's a couple on trapping and so i'll just pull those up and when a new episode comes up i just click on that and and just i like, know clint clint Lackclear has some he calls it trapping radio yes. or some similar thing is very, that a very, podcast is what it is that yep that's a podcast that's that's only gotcha. available on his website but yeah that's and that's he was the first one he was doing that about at least five years ago He's been doing that for okay. a long time. Yeah, um, but I never even listened to one of those. I was just aware that um, it was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you go on to trappingtoday.com and just uh, uh, yeah, I'm you'll see the thing pop up on the podcast. Every time I put a, a podcast episode comes out, it shows up there, and you just you can listen to it right from the site on your computer. So, really neat. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
speaking of media, I wanted to talk about a few things that you've done because I, I found um, it, was, it was really neat that you did these videos a while, a while back. You did one on canine trapping. You did a water trapping video, and I just finished your really want to do some new stuff because since those videos were done, we have essentially, like you'll see in the coming months by spring uh, after the busy season, we have a series of pro. Well, we've already released numerous products, but our, when our ads come out now, and actually, believe it or not, the ad campaigns are going to jump into ten additional publications, uh, and none of them are going to get reduced. But we're actually going to have the majority of our ad focusing a big USA flag at the bottom and um, all the new products that we're releasing. So you're going to be on diff- different publications other than trapping? Well, well, we're still going to be in the, all the same trapping magazines you see, but there's many uh, state magazines that not uh, everybody yeah. sees. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to jump into state magazines with the release of a lot of new products nice. and making sure that we make the awareness everywhere. And, you know, when you're successful, you have to have write-offs. So um, it just hand-in-hand hand with... Uh, um, expanding the business a little bit and making sure you got some tax write-offs to offset the sales. Yeah, so so though you're thinking you might be doing some new videos then in the future. We definitely want to take a focus because it's funny when you say those videos, they were years ago, and to this day it's one of the best forms of advertising for the little amount of time we spend. Those Some of those things were shot 10 years ago, and I still get calls every day on our website. <laughs> When somebody places an order, we say, did you see us in Fur Fishing Game or did you see, find us on Google? And it still remains like 20, 30% where people say they're clicking from uh, a, a YouTube clip that they're looking at. And we haven't released too many new videos in the last couple of years on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. But you had you also had the DVDs, right? Yeah, and the DVDs, which I, I won't do a DVD again until I go trap in Maine or uh, do something, you know, something exceptionally different. different. Yeah. 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 Um, and when were those put out? Were they all around the same time? They were put out probably, I'm just, I want to guess now it's been a while, could have been in 2009 or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that was... I could have been 10, I'm not even sure. A few years back, but even video production, you know, videos don't sell like they did 20 years ago. Uh, they sold left and right, and people could charge even more, but uh, uh, I see the cost of videos keep coming down, and mm-hmm. um, that's probably a trend that'll continue. Well, there's so much that's free now. Yeah, the free on the web. In fact, there's serious consideration of just putting more on the web. Because yep. people will find it, and then you can control them just going over to see if they do like the products you're showing, then they can go to your site and buy it. So, Yeah, absolutely. But definitely going to be one of the forms of, uh, plus it's fun making the videos. And the nice thing is everybody in the company realizes because, you know, it's a team, and I couldn't do it without everybody else. And they're encouraging going, we need you to do some more videos. That's so really cool. There's, you know, when the team members are serious, knowing that I need <laughs> to get out there and it's a good thing. That's yeah, that's great. And I think you had a few where you, where you've been at conventions, maybe you talked to, to an old trapper. Or, uh, yeah. And I guess to a degree when they're not fully professional and they're just on the spot when you're doing things like that, I think trappers probably appreciate that because it's not made up. It's just, that's what we do when we trap, and that's why we go to conventions, and that's that's what we enjoy doing. That's yeah. what they enjoy doing, or they wouldn't be watching the videos. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what about new products? What do you have in mind that we could expect from PCS in the next year or two? Um, most of the new ones, I don't want to announce it because then competitors would know what we're doing. Because even oh, though yeah. most competitors are <laughs> friends, but or. I don't really want to put a product out. You know, everybody has seen our knives that we did, so I guess I can tell you that the knives were a huge success. The Asabo Superior Flushing Knife um, that we partnered with Dexter because Dexter had the best steel. Trappers knew it, and we just wanted to add some uh, special touches, handles that wouldn't fall apart like the wood and ergonomics for 
what fur buyers told us they wanted in a flushing knife. Well, because of that success, we're going to add immediately a couple knives will hit the market pretty quick that are unique to the fur industry. Okay. Um, so I could tell you that one. We've already uh, put them on the website. They haven't hit the ads, but you ever buy a uh, 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 auger for a drill and it turns rusty as soon as you get it? Mm-hmm. Well, we basically painted and powder coated the augers and put a better auger, the tip, and made it a less price than what's currently on the industry and stamp made in the USA. So yep. there's one that's coming out. And we put them on the website just about a month or two ago, and we've already gone through several hundred. So nice. that, well, that one's going to be a guaranteed success. We uh, came out a couple of years ago. The other one I can tell you that hasn't probably hit the magazines yet is we made small rotating drags, which, you know, the small coon drags, they yep. they hook up a lot quicker in the rotating. You know, I wanted to make something that was in the USA that would be better and have a better price, and we're able to make these rotating drags cheaper than a welded drag, it, believe it or not, and it actually hooks up quicker. Well, what we did is our latest one, uh, those were a success, but people want the big drags, the coyote is the current market, what everybody's mm-hmm. going after, so we made a two-pound drag, and we made it, more affordable than the standard drags you see out on the market that are two pounds, but they have that rotating feature. Okay. And a third of the cost. Yeah. So Good. that's a product that I can tell you. And hopefully some of the other ones uh, get done here in the next six months and watch for them on the website or the magazines. You'll see a significant, you know, we're ready to submit any time in the next few weeks but then it takes usually a month or two before they start hitting the magazines yeah so by early summer late spring you should see a major update to the ad campaign which will let you see a lot of the products whoever came up with the rotating drag idea i think that's pretty neat uh combination of uh the guys doing the machining and myself yeah that's just i because you sent me a pack of them at one time, um, and of course those we, were probably the small ones. I don't think were. I got you the big one. No, which they were the small really ones. cool. But but That's I just really I really cool. like the design, the way you stamp that, and to where it, it was like you said, it's not welded, but it's not yep. going to come. And I had There's a little no way it's going to come with out. Those first ones, and they're for small animals. So when we made the bigger one, we made sure there ain't no way an elephant's going to pull out. In fact. <laughs> In my opinion, you know, some of the best traps on the market are the MBs, and it's the opinion, I think, too, of thousands of trappers. Well, when we test this equipment, we use a machine that we actually hook an MB650 and the components and J-hooks on that, and that's our test to make sure that 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 gives before the drag will. Yep. Wow. So that's... That's the point when we know it's strong enough because I've never heard anybody say the chain or the connections on those traps break. So, so what's the first thing that gives? Is it like one of the J-hooks or something? The J-hooks, and yeah. yeah. It's been some time since we did that. So once we did it and seen that, the drag didn't. And um, I think since they've been out, I had one person tell me that uh, it slipped, but that's out of thousands and thousands of them. So it could have been a mispunch that quality didn't catch. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Same thing happens with cable stakes. Uh, whether you use a needle, yeah, this is an important, you know, of all the phone calls I get, you know, cable stakes, it's literally thousands and thousands of cable stakes get made and shipped. Okay. Well, I get the call every now and then, and we have a quality procedure. So we test every dozen or two, you know, by actually putting them in a machine, pulling to make sure that's to make sure our compression is hitting it right and uh, et cetera. Well, uh, it's very possible that the punch misses one time. So my point here is when a trapper goes out in the field, you should anyways make sure that your anchor's set before you leave the trap. Because yeah. if you can pull that trap out of the ground, so can the animal. Right. Well, the other thing you're going to catch, because it's really a trapper's responsibility, if that equipment is malfunctioned, whether I made it or somebody else, you don't want to leave the trap there and have the animal go away with the trap. So you should always do that test, because that will identify 
if equipment's faulty before you leave it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be a real uh, interesting, maybe difficult, uh, challenging game is trying to, you know, it's all the big trapping supply companies are, are coming out with new products and innovating and, and I don't know how much it's there a is. good thing. Yeah, it, it is it, great for the trappers. We didn't have that choice when we were a kid, eh, my friend? But you, for you, you got to stay on top of things. It keeps you on your game, right? Yeah, it makes it more interesting for everybody. And, you know, whether, and we're just trying to come up with something better that someone else did, and someone's going to try to make something better than ours. And just like computer science, how everything is accelerated, you know, production of trap and equipment will tag along right with it. So we'll, who knows when we'll see the next thing like a dog-proof trap hit the market, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, just when you think everything's been fashion. thought up of, then something else yeah. comes along. Yeah. 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 Is is this stuff like, do, do you get patents on this stuff, or does it just depend on what the product is? You know, for the most part, our company president, he's had many patents, and you don't really, we don't patent, we usually copyright, so in other words, you know, we copyright things and put them into ad campaigns, and, you know, we always look at it as trappers know, you know, the rotating drag, to my knowledge, I can't ever remember seeing a rotating drag, so if competition comes out with a rotating drag, they can call it a rotating drag. They just can't call it an Asabo rotating drag because <laughs> okay. that's our copyright. So okay, yeah. that's just a much more affordable protection. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because when you're average, and that's what's important, you're advertising. And honestly, if somebody get took some of our designs, there's nothing we could do. And we could just be proud that just like the guy that developed the Grizz Trap, you know, my hat's off to him to this day as one of the best, you know, improvements to traps in what a century. So, yeah. um, and now it's used by many people. And the only thing I've seen from patents in the trapping industry is uh, the disputes that go on, and that's not good for anybody. No, if, like for I got for me, if I were in that situation, I think I'd just walk away from it. It's just not worth fighting about. No, it's not worth it, and that's not why we're in business to sell trapping supplies or to harvest fur and. Um, Yep. Yeah, and they're really. I mean, there's. It's a. It's a relatively big industry, but it's. It's not. It's not uh, that big. And so many times, big. people will send samples and want to know if you're gonna, you know, and they get sugar plums in their eyes of what could be sold, and you know, things do sell, and they can sell by the thousands, but that's the best of the best products. You know, a lot of products, you can have books or videos, and they may only sell. You know, even in a busy organization only 20 copies all year you know it's just right. not a it's not a million sales type uh, uh industry yeah exactly products yeah now you were saying though that you were kind of surprised uh that even with the low fur market you're still seeing quite a bit of business yeah and and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because you'll you'll we used to sell 500 dozen dps in a week okay we still sell a hundred dozen DP in a week where guys are buying a dozen at a time. Okay. Now with not as many trappers harvesting raccoon, which has been hit the hardest by the depressed price from mm-hmm. the good prices they were at when we were selling 500 dozen DPs a week. Well, basically all those raccoon have populated and everybody that has a bait pile has become a raccoon trapper. <laughs> Yeah. Now, that market may go away. I know Michigan has, uh, next year, I don't believe uh, deer hunters are going to be allowed to bait. So okay. that'll actually even further depress the uh, dog-proof market. Hmm. Yep. yep, but like you said, the guys that are still and trapping. then the heritage. Yeah, and the heritage of it, the guys still, so many people want to take their kid out and show them what they did. Yeah. And, and the young folks. Uh, my hats off to them even more than us when we were younger because we had a higher fur market. There's a lot of young guys out there that are really into it, and this industry isn't going to go away. I know my, I I was told at that point when I left one of the best jobs in the UP that I was going to starve. Actually, first I was told I was going to (laughs) starve when I moved to the UP. I gained (laughs) an extra 10 pounds and got married. (laughs) They think it sounds pretty okay, and then... Uh, basically, when I said I was going to create a trapping company way back then, they said I was going to double starve and have, and none of that has ever occurred. And I can only see brightness in the future 
for the whole industry. And, you know, it may not be in the same way furs were sold, but, uh, you know, if a, if a trapper's creative, uh, there's a million and one ways to, you know, um, yep. make it all work. Absolutely. And, I mean, I've never really seen a high fur market. Uh, 2014 was, I, I guess, as high as those I've seen. Those were good. That was a year I, uh, I was trapping to do those videos prior to that, and I sent a bunch of furs to the auction. It was one of the only times I jumped up when I opened up my <laughs> fur harvester check. <laughs> my family had wanted to go to Alaska, and that's when we decided that paid for our trip to Alaska that year. And yep. I, my mom's gone now, and my dad's gone, but... Uh, my mother, my wife, my daughter, we actually went to Alaska for three weeks and that was because of the fur industry. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even with the low prices, I get, I get at least one or two emails a week from guys that listen to the podcast that have just, have never trapped before in their lives and they're just getting started. So uh, yeah. there's still a desire to trap. Well, I guarantee you, my friend, that trapping today will get a couple extra people hooked on it and thank you for doing that. In fact, when I seen your site, I was quick to, was I your first, no, you actually had an advertiser before. Yeah, me. you were the second, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I, I recognized that, uh, after talking to you, that uh, it was good information for trappers. So, do you want to talk about linen lures? Sure. That's another, uh, I guess that's a pretty big part of what you do, right? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, that's the part I almost enjoy the most. <laughs> So you, I got to put away all my formulas that uh, I was trying to prove, and basically <laughs> handed over formulas that worked for a hundred years. So, um, yeah, so that made my life a lot easier. So, what I was trying to figure out, uh, Mister Lennon taught me. Yeah. So, for people who don't know the name uh, Herb Lennon, which most I think do, um, but for the new guys, uh, you tell us a little bit about about the history there. Yep, Herb Lennon um, was probably trapping before 1924, but 1924 is when he started his lure company. Um, oh, Herb Lennon is definitely a, one of the innovators in the industry. Um, very few lure companies are still here today from back in that time frame. Um, he, there's been a lot of he was one of the first guys to write trapping books. I think I gave you a couple copies to review and yes. thank you. You gave them back. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, recopies have never been made. You know, there was whatever hundred thousands of copies that went out. And the reason for the recopies not being, uh, republished, it was simply to honor all the people that, had that book and i think i seen one time when you gave an opinion on the value and oh I yeah i was went low. back on to <laughs> say that i've not seen a copy sell for less than a hundred dollars or i'd stack them up myself so anybody yep. got a copy you got a you got a book there that's worth some money so absolutely um, yeah there i yeah. since then i've looked and i can't find them i, I figured 40 or 50 dollars but but it sounds like yeah, uh, there's guys out there with them but they won't part with them nope. and they're part of a collection and yep um but anyways, also, uh, to my knowledge, he also prepared, it was on 8mm tapes, and did I get you a copy of the DVD? You sure did, and that was really awesome to watch. I watched that yeah. with my two little boys, and we, it so was just it was so cool. So it was really great. Not only was he an innovator back then, he had the foresight to document it. Yes. And, you know, he is one of the things I read, you know, when I was younger before doing a supply company. He amazed me, like you see PCS Outdoors all over the place now. Well, that's the way it was back in those days. Herb Lennon's articles and Herb Lennon's uh, ads were everywhere. Okay. And um, so that brand, you know, it had a push to go. And then when the Lennons got older, they never had to advertise because everybody already knew of their brand. And um, so, and then... Uh, so basically, Herb was the founder, and Asa was one of a few sons that ended up for the longest time up to the time he passed it over to me, uh, and he only quit doing the lure business because he had a stroke and wasn't physically able to do it anymore. Is I, Asa I, still, I is one Asa of still the around? Asa is still around, Good. and yep. He's going to be around for a while. So, Good. Um, only only bummer is he lives about 
a six-hour drive away. So we oh. get up there when we can, and you know, he go anytime we go up there, he always takes the time to go to uh, dinner with Sherry and I. And I'll tell you a little story. So we don't get him to usually go taking a ride. It's been years since when we were younger. I remember, you know, taking a ride with him and yeah. doing a couple things. But last summer, um, Bobby wouldn't have went if I asked about a set post set and doing some things, but Sherry asked some questions about something she read at my <laughs> wife. And next thing you know, we were out there looking for knobs, pine knots to make a set post set with. Nice. And the next thing you know, we were on the two tracks in the UP all day long driving around. <laughs> so that was a great day. So Asa was quite a trapper himself too. Yes, he was. And he, he learned during the bounty days. Um, I actually have pictures on LennonLures.com where uh, Asa had a uh, whole bunch of weasels when he was like eight, nine years old with his brother, a whole pile of weasels. He had a mini bike where he had a couple of coyotes strapped on it and... Mr. Lennon, I, Asa, I have probably had a million cups of coffee kneeling next to him, just like my grandfather, uh, listening to stories. Yeah. And his wife has passed now, but they were they're two of uh, really high on my list of folks that have taught me stuff, both yeah. trapping and um, looks out for my, he's always concerned about my daughter and... Um, he was just a very dear friend. He is a dear, dear friend. You know, he's still here with us today. And and he has an incredible amount of lure making knowledge. I know he shared that on incredible Trapper amount Man. of lure knowledge. And I know that the sad thing we had talked about going to Alaska with him and his wife Maria when we were transitioning, and before we even announced to the world that we had purchased the company and we're going to resume. Uh, Lennon Lures from our residence. Uh, Maria passed away during what was supposed to be a routine type operation. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. And, but this is when I first took it over. So Ace had taught me and everything, but it was different than full scale production. So I didn't want to bother Asa. And about when I was on my own, about two weeks. Asa called up, or because I, you know, he was heartbroken after losing Maria, and he called me up one day and um, said, "You need a little help." And ever since then, he's been right there if I have any questions or anything else. And obviously, there's fewer and fewer questions as we go. But um, a couple of neat things that we've worked on together uh, since we had the company is we put uh, Lennon's Wolf Nature Call back on the market. Yeah. And it was a neat one what caused that. When we were cleaning out the lure shed, he was trying to get me everything he could that would help me when I got back to my operation where my, my lure room's going to be. Mm -hmm. And we found a bottle from the 30s that Herb Lennon wrote on, and then we found the recipe cards in a different box <laughs> for, the, for the nature call. But we actually had several ounces of the wolf nature call that I still have. Nice. And so you could use it as a reference as a reference to consistency and odor and uh, compounds used in it yep. and the aging process and et cetera. So we worked on that one together. And then our newest one, the only other new, well, we put skunk back on the market, but that was no big deal because we had the recipe card and Asa knew how to do it. We just, he had to show me so I could put it back on the market. Yeah. But our newest one that we did together, and I've not, put a Lennon's that is my own yet, which will not happen until, uh, it could not happen without Asa here, but we came out with one where Asa actually uh, had, so we were talking about what we could do on a project sometime a year ago, and Asa, two years ago, he, my wife was helping me out in the background there, Sherry, but anyways, <laughs> Asa envisioned with a raccoon and the new DP market that we needed a lure that would have some eye appeal, okay? okay. So this new raccoon lure that we have, which is called new raccoon, special raccoon lure number three. Um, but basically, you've seen the texture of our muskrat lure where it doesn't uh, yes. wash away. It's, it's, water, similar yeah, it's to, waterproof. It 
Yep. Yeah, similar to your long-distance call, which is yep. a good lure. Um, but in, a, in other words, it's pitch red like blood, and it has that consistency of not washing away, but still releasing the odor, and then it has some ingredients in there from proven in our other lures and some other stuff that we knew and basically it's a really effective raccoon lure and that what i found out from some videos and tracks in the sand it's actually a super effective on fox and coyote too so, really huh. yep so it's a great lure in a dirt hole and it so one of the one of the things that's really impressed me is that you are have been very uh uh, adamant that you are using the exact same formulas, the same ingredients, and and everything is as consistent as it was when Herb was making those lures. Um, Which is critically important because if the color deviates or the order deviates, those <laughs> yeah. customers that literally, there's customers that use that lure for 50 years in a row, 40 years in a row, and 30 years in a row. And in the beginning, when I put out a couple batches that were properly ground properly aged i got my butt chewed out <laughs> and i made it up with those trappers so at least you learned I tried. from experience so, yeah huh. yes and it wasn't on purpose that i deviated it's just a lot to uh try to do and as i mentioned you know we had that several month period where uh i really did not need to be bothering mr lennon which yeah. would help me any time but it was not gonna you know no matter what the circumstances were at that time so did you find yourself with, there must have been ingredients that he's he used in the past that are very difficult to find nowadays. Did you have any challenges with that? There's been no challenges since the, since the transition, but the challenges is something that uh, he's already let me know alternatives should things uh, come up. Okay, so Asa had to deal with a lot of that probably. When he was... Over the hundred years, there has been, and some of them will just make sense. You know, Tonquin Must Real used to be uh, an available. There's just multiple ingredients that used to be available that eventually went away. Yeah. And um, there had to be substitutes that were close. And um, luckily, in the last 10 years, I'm not aware of any switch of, you know, compounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's and good. Beaver caster, mink gland, skunk musk, the, those remain and will always remain uh, the key components to good lures. Right. Yep. And when are you going to share the secret of what's in that Martin lure? <laughs> we never will tell the uh, <laughs> recipe of any lead in lures because <laughs> I can't disclose the amount that I had to persuade my wife to. Uh, give to Mr. Lennon, or I should say, Mr. Lennon told me what I had to get him, and I was not going to negotiate for the best lure company in the land. So um, <laughs> either way we put it, I won't disclose the recipes. Yeah, yeah, that is a really, I've used that Martin Super All Call this uh, past season, and I just, I just really, there's something unique about it. I've, I, I, and I can't put my finger on what it is, but it's it's different than any of the other Martin lures I've used. So Well, that's good to hear from a Martin trapper because I've seen some where you post that you do Martin and you talk about it. I've caught Martin, but I've never been able to keep a Martin, nor have I ever intentionally caught a Martin. So yep. for viewers out there that uh, you see where you, you do a lot of the Martin in the snow and you have the elevated sets and stuff, is that correct? the way i understand uh, they it. were they did have to be elevated now we're using boxes that can be on the ground um, oh okay but it's a very but how i ended up getting martin was up in the up when i trapped ann fisher but i was simply trapping fox and coyote on trails and bobcat and they would get into my dirt hole sets yep so um that's obviously common in maine too then where you oh, get yeah. incidentals and those type sets yeah during yep in northern Michigan, see in northern Michigan below the bridge, we don't have the Martin and Fisher. Very isolated sightings, to my knowledge. Oh, you don't even have Fisher there? No, not in wow. below the bridge. Now okay. above the bridge, there is definitely Fisher and Martin. Yeah, pretty much right out across the UP. And wolves. Now, do you guys have wolves? Not yet. You don't have wolves, eh? 
No, but our coyotes have a lot of wolf genetics in them. Um, okay. They, I guess they did some DNA work uh, years ago that found that I think it was up to 25% of the DNA in our coyotes was, was passed yeah, down from wolves. Coyotes. They are big, yeah, very yeah. big. But they're, they're no, not really good big, in the market. You know, they're, they're really no. like a coarse hair and they're all kinds of different colors. They, they, don't, okay. they, don't, they don't sell like those western coyotes do. Now, that's interesting when you talk about the market, because when I trapped coyotes in the UP, I would get a really good price for them, and then when I trap them in below the bridge, what I call, or southern Michigan, then I don't see the quality that I've seen up in the UP. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's but the guys up in the UP, there were some wolves when I was up there, but take 15 years, and when I go up, to, I go to three conventions in the UP every year, and I know a lot of trappers up there, and... The way they talk about it, it's routine to catch them every single year in their coyote sets. Yeah, it which sounds they like, don't like it. Yep, but in will they? They may be able to trap for them someday, right? They're talking about delisting. Yeah, but until they do it. Yep, until yeah. they do it, it's just a pain. Yeah. All right, well, John, this has been great. I really appreciate uh, talking with you. I always enjoy talking with you, but it's great to get to share stuff with with people. Likewise, and obviously, I don't think we ever talked this long. I'm glad I <laughs> ate a bowl of uh, goulash when I first got in. I the was door. wondering I if I was going to wouldn't have been able to put up through this. So <laughs> I cheated five minutes before I called you. <laughs> um, is there anything else you, that we didn't cover you want to want to uh, talk about? No, as you know, you and I could probably talk for a week. So there comes a time you got to cap it off. And I just appreciate the opportunity because always take some promotion and both trapping and our organization. So um, we're just blessed by a lot of wonderful organizations out there and a great industry and thousands of trappers that keep it all going. All right. Well, thanks for being on and we will have you on again in the future, I hope. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. Take care, John. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye.